Hello, Heron. Hello, Tom. I have a few notes in front of me. Do you have anything you want to start off with? Uh, yeah, I've got lots of notes, actually. Surprise. Ah. Yeah, well, you know, this thing is beginning to get a hold of me now. I <laughs> the first great revelation I had this week is how much socks have improved over the decades. Mm. That, they, that they actually stay up now. Mm. And I, I don't wear shoes and socks, but about, well, two days a week, Certainly. you know, and, and only for when I'm at work. So I, I don't spend a lot of time in, you know, wearing shoes and socks, but I just bought some, and when I wear socks, I usually wear these tube socks, these white tube socks, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, those, uh, these were amazing. They, they just, st- they, and when you take them off, they're not, they go right back, you know, I mean, it, it, it's, there's some new fabric that they've invented since the last time I bought socks. Uh, anyway, I mean, it's, it's, it's not earth-shaking, I suppose. But I often wonder, I've often wonder, the new listener that's been told by all their friends that there's this profound new podcast <laughs> called Stone Ape, they listen right. in, Welcome. first two minutes, tube socks, folks. Tube socks. <laughs> there you go. What what other what other highbrow topic do you have? Oh, you don't have any comment on that. Okay. Tube socks. Look, um, no, no, on just socks in general. You know, like, well, back in Australia, not- back in Australia when I lived in abject poverty and my hands were blue for uh, nine months of the year, socks were basically what I used to carry everything in. In fact, I I carried my originally I carried my pencils <laughs> in a baby bottle and then some kid threw it off a second story window because it said unbreakable on it. That was the end of the baby bottle. And then I started carrying my pencils in a sock, and I had one teacher that refused to teach me unless I took my pencils out of the sock. And I said, okay, I'll take them. I'll take my pencils out of the sock before I come into your class, and when I leave your class, I'll put the pencils back in the sock, because she was so offended with me using a sock. (laughs) Them language monkeys. You know where she is now? She's probably dead, Heron. Well... It's a good chance of that. Yes. Very good. <laughs> it was probably one of her students murdered her. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, she was a heavy smoker. She used to go out. She'd she'd ah. on videos and stuff. Go out and have a few cigarettes and then come back. So yes, her aversion to salt. Oh was man, cigarettes. You know, I haven't thought about that in a long time. I mean, you know, because I was a smoker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Boy, it's so good. Yeah. If I had, kept, well, I'd probably be dead if I'd kept smoking. Mm. You know, I think that's. Yeah, that's amazing. A possibility. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, anyway, um, the next thing I wanted to clarify something, because something we talked about last time, and I just threw a remark out, and I don't even remember exactly what it says, because like, I, I never listened never to this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but but I, I made some remark about uh, my reactions to homosexuals, but that I can override it. It was interesting, actually, because yeah. my my perspective is, and I've heard from a number of folks that the last recording was a classic episode. Yeah. And my perspective on it was, because I cut about half an hour of just him rambling, where we didn't have a topic and we were just like bouncing off ideas. Yeah. But I left that in. Because I thought that was actually the the hinge point of the episode. Really? Yeah. Well, it it struck me that I I really was being kind of flippant at the time, and I I thought about it afterwards. And I thought, you know, that really is sort of a hot topic for a lot of people, and I probably <laughs> ought to clarify my position somewhat on this because it, it's a little more nuanced than that. <laughs> <laughs> You're not deeply disgusted. It's more kind of guttural in the throat. No, thing, no, right? it's just that, that there's an aspect of that there. That's all. I mean, you know, it's subtle, profound, whatever. It's, it's just part of my programming. Mm. Uh, in, growing up in this culture, uh, 
and it just arises the same way that my response to the smell of a st- of a snake or a snake <laughs> or a steak might arise just sort of spontaneously. They do have know? a strange smell, don't they, snakes? I don't know. I've never spent much time with snakes. You need so. to sniff a snake, Heron. All right, a snake sniffer. Yes. <laughs> you know what caught me through that whole discussion is actually many listeners protested too much associated with their various fetishes. I, I think basically in order to listen to Stone Ape, <laughs> you must have some serious perversions going on, ladies and gentlemen. Well, who doesn't? They, we're all so, so busy hiding our peculiarities, even from ourselves. Yes. <laughs> you know, we certainly aren't going to be talking about it. You know? Yes, we all harbor <laughs> deep, dark secrets involving midgets and uh, mayonnaise. Yes. Well, yes. I, I'm not sure about the con. I think the content may vary. That's right. <laughs> Wouldn't it be strange to find out that everybody had a midget and mayonnaise uh, fetish? Yes. I mean, oh, there you go. What are the odds against that? Yeah. Anyway, I, I realized uh, it got me thinking about a whole bunch of stuff. My first real experience with homosexuality was um, a good friend of a lady I was living with. In fact, mm. the lady uh, who worked at the fish place that got me the free scallops <laughs> all the time. This is a this is a new lady in your repertoire, Heron. Oh, you've we've I've never talked. Did she have the cat? So was that another? That was yeah, same lady. Yeah, oh, it's the same one. The cat lady. Yeah, yeah, the cat lady. Yeah, we had like six zucchini. The guy used to jump, hit his head on the bottom of the table. Yeah. Yeah. God, I haven't thought about that in a while. Anyway, she was a uh, he was a friend of hers, and he used to come over all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't even know he was gay. Mm. <laughs> you know, uh, he didn't act gay. He just was a guy. You know, I mean, he, he had no affectations that I was aware of anyway, you know. Uh, And I guess we had a party once, and he brought his lover or boyfriend or whatever it was with him, you know, and it was a big surprise to me, but, you know, I already had established a relationship with him, you know. I mean, I'd known him for probably a year, you know, on and off. I'd see him every couple weeks or something, you know. What I realized that I'm offended by is affectations that are put on by any kind of it's not just homosexuals mm. um, politicians mm. uh, athletes Australians <laughs> gamblers marines cops yeah. stockbrokers yeah. you know uh, have images in their head of what they think they're supposed to look like or act like and then mm. they proceed to imitate the image in their head and to me that is fundamentally ill mm. <laughs> You know, it's one thing to act out an image consciously as an actor to ch- to realize that in order to accomplish something in particular, for this case, I'm going to take on a persona mm. and, and do it, mm-hmm. and because it works, you know. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's what's going on with I, most I, I, people who who are imitating their personas. To be fair, I mean, I have pondered this as well, but I, my perspective is that we. Everything's an act. I mean, it's easy to do yeah, it over a podcast. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. I, no, my but, perspective yeah. is, I mean, people have speculated that my accent could be an act. My spiritual advisor periodically has done really? that and these kind of things. That well, this you is... probably, well, you have an option to accent it more or or <laughs> cut it back, probably. Yes. You're fair enough to, to yeah. know how you sound. So, yeah. yeah, you're partially. It's right, partially. Yes. <laughs> no, it is interesting when you're first introduced to... You know, homosexuality. I mean, my my introduction was actually being cornered by a man when I must have been, I don't know how old I was. I might have been about 13. Uh-huh. 
Uh. And he proceeded to tell me. And look, to be fair, many homosexuals are actually offended that I would, or that there's nothing. Well, pedophilia and homosexuality That's a separate are two issue. separate yeah, issues. Th- yeah, yeah, yeah. They they <laughs> so, may overlap, but then token yeah. a love of yeah. peanut butter, you know. And, Certainly, yeah. So maybe that maybe that isn't a good example. However, he was incredibly well. Graphic. It's a good example to you. Yes. <laughs> and described what he had done to his brother for a number of years, and I kind of stepped sideways. And, uh, <laughs> Excuse me, I think, I think it's dinner time. Yes, <laughs> which was actually quite difficult because he had quite literally cornered me, and he was a larger gentleman. But uh, no, I got he, out of that situation. Yeah. He had tried to approach me on a few occasions. And, that, and, and, and how did you react to that? I mean, you uh, got you got out of there relatively quickly. Well, no, I he guess. cornered me, and the thing was that I was doing something at the time. I think I was picking something up. So when cornered he approached me, pardon? He cornered you where? Uh, it was in a local university. It was in a, a hallway or something. Or? No, it was. I think. There was some. Con- I honestly can't remember the exact the details. Broom closet. It was. It was associated actually, probably with me doing some lighting event or something uh, like okay. that. Uh, yeah. So um. So I was the p- utility room. Yeah, wrapping wires yeah. or something. Yeah. And he used the fact that I hadn't fled quickly. Ah, yes. To indicate that I was actually interested in him, which yeah. meant that he found me on a couple of other occasions. He is actually the origin of the Tim guy because this is the groomer that picked up this Tim fellow who stalked me through my late teens in Australia. Um, But uh, in terms of friends, you see, the thing is that due to my mannerisms, even in Australia, people are, well, it's not that they're unsure. They just suspect that there might be something there with me, I suspect. I don't know. You mean homosexual? Yes. Oh, okay. So, you know, I've been approached on a few occasions by friends and other folk, and I'm just trying to think (laughs) of that. And I'm not, I'm really in no way interested. And the thing was. Well, I think homosexuality is somewhat aligned with intellectuality, too. Well, yes. At least it is here. (laughs) I mean, you talk about these kind of effeminate mannerisms and these kind of affectations, and I just, you know, I. I grew up in a single parent family. My mother raised me, you know. But I'm in no. The funny thing is, I really can't stand the smell of men, and it's absolutely <laughs> like when I when I dated through my early twenties, I dated a woman who lived some distance from, and she still lived at home. She'd had um, glandular fever for a period of time. She actually gave me glandular fever through the process mono, as it's called in the US. Yeah, oh, yes. um, and I had to stay in the same bed that her sister's boyfriend slept in. And they never changed the sheets. So I had <laughs> was surrounded by this, this teenage... Because her sister was about three years younger than she was. I was surrounded by this teenage boy-teenager smell, which just left a kind of, ugh, in my throat. But yeah, yeah it's interesting, actually. I, don't, I think you're going to cut this out, right? No, I don't care! <laughs> I don't know! So I'm going to suggest that we Why? cut this what, whole what aspect, part. What aspect of this is not... I think all of this is palatable. Do you think this is dangerous? No, I'm just, being, I'm, no I'm just being funny. What right? other Maybe topics I'm not being to... that funny, apparently. <laughs> well, I don't... It's funny, actually, because when I think I'm not being funny, the audience responds that it's the most hilarious shit they've ever heard. But anyway, moving on from this... Any other topics? Um, well, I'm not sure I'm through with this one because okay. uh, 
because it brought up a lot for me because I started, like I say, afterwards, of course, I, I should have gone back and listened to it. That would have helped, probably. It's very small. <laughs> and I, my perspective is actually, from the emails that I've received, no one has mentioned that as a specific turning oh, yeah. point. For, from my perspective, and I talked to my spiritual advisor yeah. about it, I found it fascinating because it reala- I oftentimes realize that people don't understand when I'm tongue-in-cheek. Associated, yeah. you know, perversions and these yeah. kind of things. Yeah. And you thought I was serious. About what? About using the term perversion to describe people that stick their tongues in each other's nose and this kind oh, of no, stuff. Oh, no, I was... It wasn't you. I was I was just bringing up the point. That's mm. all. I mean, that's the standard way of talking about yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's not something you just made up. <laughs> you <know? laughs> True. You're right. I was just attributing <laughs> it to people that like whispering. Yeah. Well, it's just all very interesting. Mm. Because, I, like I say, my programming is deep. You mm. know, I mean, the shit you learn as a three-year-old, as a four-year-old, your emotional responses to certain kinds of situations are deeply embedded. I can assure you I've been struggling with a lot of these things my whole life. Yeah. And um, I'm aware of – being aware of them as specific tendencies is quite helpful, though, even if you can't – get rid of them. Like I say, uh, there's a part of me, it's, it's subtle, it may come up or it may not. Mm. But again, I, what, since I've identified what it really is I don't like is I don't like affectations. Interesting. And affectations of any kind sort of piss me off. Mm. You know, except mine, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's where it's not homosexuality per se. Except that's a really good example of yeah. uh, of people, you know. And and like I say, not everybody does that. I'm sure there are plenty of gay people who nobody would have ever suspected Certainly. are gay, you yeah. know, because they just guys who yeah. happen to like fucking guys. The that's thing all. that I always find curious, though, is that you have these strange conservative commentators that are either priests or um. um there's a there's a a presidential candidate, a GOP presidential female GOP. Michelle Bachman, perhaps, is her name. <laughs> and her husband has really strong gay affectations. Well, he's also... Didn't he have something to do with some reprogramming? Yes, yeah, but job. also they, yeah. They, yeah. they have adopted kids and things like that. I mean, there's, I mean, there are biological reasons why that would occur. But this guy is pretty out there in terms of, yeah. like, if you didn't know who he was... You'd know who he was if you met him at a party, you know? Yeah. And it always strikes me as particularly... You talk about the affectations, but these people must... It must be a clear and present danger for their being to have these affectations. I mean, this is why I always find it curious. Is it really an affectation, or is it something associated with genetics? Well, it's it's called... Well, it's it's not either or. Mm -hmm. It's obviously both. Yeah. But but the only thing we really have any control over is the, the... you know, not the genetic side. You know, yeah. well, there we have some control over that, I guess. We're, and we're beginning to get some control in that domain. So yeah. who knows? Maybe we will. But yeah, I, but it's, it's true for everybody. We all grow up and and take on all these roles. Yeah. You know, in these kinds of behaviors. Yeah. And but and in, in America, I guess being gay in America is probably very different than being gay in Argentina. You know, or yeah. or being gay in the USSR or in Iran. Certainly, yes. <laughs> you know, so yeah, already so, controlled by ISIS. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're just well, or just a place that you know, like in Japan. I mean, you know, every culture is 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 unique. Mm-hmm. You know, and and they're going to have different nuanced responses to all these things. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. So being gay in America, maybe it's just being gay in America that sucks. Mm. <laughs> maybe it's, maybe yeah. gay people in other parts of the world are allowed to just be normal. <laughs> 
I don't think I've ever worked at a job where there hasn't been someone who's openly gay. I think it's yeah. pretty standard in terms of the areas that I've worked. Even in actually, in one place, it was a kind of. And slightly- what does it mean to be openly gay? I guess what I would call open openly gay. Well, no, that's different. Yeah, you have to. I'm drawing some hairs here, but yeah. some people you don't have to talk to them. Yeah. You don't have to be introduced. Mm. <laughs> you know, you can see yes. from forty feet away. Yeah. Okay, but that you know, but again, that may in fact be a conscious affectation on in certain situations where yes. people, are, you know, <laughs> taking that on temporarily. It's just that my again, my initial experience was with a guy who was just a guy, you know, and the fact that he liked other guys just sort of never came up. Yeah. You know, it was, uh, and he, I really like him. That was many, many years ago. Yeah, I just, I guess, for me, it it doesn't even, I mean, it's not even on my radar associated with being, I guess, my mother had a number of gay friends. In fact, I don't think any of them had AIDS. But they were parts of groups at the time, the 80s, where they knew people at least that had AIDS, I think. They're probably the closest that people I knew that knew people that had AIDS. And when I returned to Australia, actually, I got in a pretty drawn-out fight with one of them because he had written a book about saying sorry associated with the conditions of the Aborigines in Australia. And, yeah, I had a falling out with him, which was quite spectacular and involved me having to buy the wine and the meal for them because my mother had chastised me sufficiently for even raising this as an issue. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I guess I grew up around gay men and just knew... I mean, they were close friends of the family, basically. I had no experience yeah. at, at all. And yeah. I guess that's what's particularly curious associated with being solicited by this fellow. And, I mean, subsequently having, you know, a couple of male friends that just assumed I was gay. Yeah. Um, was that the sexual, the power dynamic associated <laughs> with this fellow was clearly really off-putting. And actually very upsetting for me at the time, because I was interested in chicks, and, you know... <laughs> yeah, really, this is not good. <laughs> a greasy 43-year-old man, that just wasn't my thing. Um, and it kind of frustrated me, because a lot of my friends were having success with chicks, and I was getting followed around by this loser. Um, so, you know, Yeah, you know, I did have a guy come up. I don't remember when this was in relation to... Well, no, this must have been before. So yeah. actually, my very first encounter was something like yours only it wasn't i wasn't cornered or trapped i was just walking down the street and there was a guy standing there leaning against the wall and made some i don't even remember what he said but it was clear what was he was yes. going for you know yes. and uh, and i just kept walking you know and that was the end of it but yeah. uh it certainly stopped me in my tracks my spiritual advisor so and her sister's <laughs> One, they were on the school bus. This is again is in LA, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Periodically, would see men masturbating in cars. <laughs> I don't think I've ever. It, that struck me as just really strange. I travelled on a lot yeah. of buses. I've never had that. Yeah. And I well, was, I've I've driven a lot of cars, and I've never jacked off when when I was driving either. But it's oh, I did get a blowjob once. <laughs> In LA, ladies and gentlemen. No, actually, it wasn't. It was out in Palm Springs. Oh, very good, very good. <laughs> Keep that stuff out of L.A. No, it struck me as really strange because my, my spiritual advisor, like I was saying, said in her childhood that she had these experiences and her sister, her older sister, a slightly older sister, like burst out crying and like it really emotional, or at least she 
you know, <laughs> reacted. I was hurt. And my spiritual advisor was like, well, it's kind of disgusting, but I'm not going to cry over this. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, again, so I married her, ladies and gentlemen. That's what I'm talking about is this kind of the programming we receive on yes. that the level. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that shit is deep. Oh, yeah. Oh. And, it, and like I think maybe the best you can do is identify it and become conscious of it mm. and then try to counter it when it, when it arises. Because I haven't had much luck in changing that initial response. I don't know. I've For the first week, I have now lived feeling that people that lick out nostrils are okay. And I must say, it's been a revelation. Well, I wouldn't to me. say that. <laughs> no, I've, I've taken a small hog. You got a response out of me last recording, Heron, that made me realize I've been a bigot associated with tongue, nose, reaming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and there are other places too. Yeah, yeah. No, as you as you alluded to last recording. So yeah, yeah. yeah you yeah. know, and it's not my thing. I can assure you, but yeah. You well. Know, um, but see, that's the, the whole thing about sex is just monkey business. I don't give a mm. shit what you're doing, even if you're doing it like in missionary position. Mm. It's still fucking monkey business. Mm. Who cares? That's <laughs> why I think about homosexuality. I really don't give a shit who you're fucking. What I care about is how you're thinking. Yes. Uh, Gabriel wrote about his speech problems and, uh, and asked if, uh, well, his question is, how is one's language machine affected by a speech defect such as stuttering? Mm. And it just struck me that the question that I wanted to comment on the structure of that question, that uh, that sort of, for the language machine to be affected by a speech defect would sort of assume that there are two different things, one thing having an effect on the other. And I don't see it that way at all. I see a stutter as a, a particular mode that a language machine operates in. Mm. They're not separate things that affect each other. Uh, they're the same thing. And um, so it's already affected. The, probably the, the, the issue is, you know, how can you get rid of a stutter? And, you know, they still don't know. I mean, there have been some st studies and there are things that are successful with some people, but there is no hard and fast solution to stuttering that I know of. Mm -hmm. You know, they're, they're just a bunch of things that do work in some cases. Have you ever had a temporal stammer? Um, well, no more than a couple seconds. Yeah. You know, I mean, in the, in the sight of some beautiful woman or something, you know, I'm just sort of stunned, you know, into, yes. you know, you know, but no, no, I, it's never been an issue for me. Yeah. I've, I've periodically had temporal stammers associated with being in the presence of particular people, not women, actually, um, and not in any way, usually through, I don't know, mate. I've always reduced it down to over cognizing the environment. Um, but also, yeah, a coughing as well is something that I find very similar, actually. Like in certain circumstances, oh, I just yeah. cough. Ah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I have very yeah. limited control over it, but it's usually. Yeah. So these are the yeah. things I'm talking about before about these sort of deep level reactions that Certainly. we've got that, that are way below the level of intellectual understanding. And maybe also you know? below the level of language, fundamentally. Well, that's what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah, that's yeah. what I mean. Is This is way deeper than that. You can probably use language more effectively in trying to get at it, but, but it's not based in that domain at all. Mm. At least that's my sense of it. Certainly. Yeah. Well, anyway, I, I just wanted to make that 
that point that they're not two separate things, one affecting their, the other, that, mm. that it can exist. You can't have a speech defect aside from a language machine, <laughs> yeah, obviously. So anyway, and he, and he said, uh, what are Tom and Heron's thoughts on Valentine's Day? Mm. I have absolutely none, so mm. that's the end of that. I don't know mm-hmm. if you've got some ideas or if you want to talk about that. Uh, sometimes I've celebrated, sometimes I haven't. Um, and yeah, I mean, my perspective is usually I have a, an agreement with my spiritual advisor. Slight footnote here, which fits in with Valentine's Day. Gabriel also asked me if my spiritual advisor was the same person as my wife. And we use, we use the term spiritual advisor here primarily because actually my wife didn't like being mentioned in podcasts continuously because she's basically, you know, she, she, she's my other in these kind of conversations. So, yeah, I started using the term spiritual advisor just to disambiguate. You know, there might be a spiritual advisor and there might be my wife and they might be two different people. That's um, right. Associated with Valentine's Day, the specifically, I mean, usually through agreement we either celebrate it or we don't. And yeah. it's just a joke. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not something that we deeply... Do you know the origins of it? I mean, I mean, it's, I'm sure it's some advertising thing that began in the early part of the century. Yes. Yeah, right? I mean, sure. I don't know what it is, but... <laughs> I've never dug too deeply, but yeah, that's my assumption as well. <laughs> Valentine's Day. Well, it's nice when you're young and you're in love. Mm. Oh. <laughs> Are they listening to feedback, Karen? Um, well, I, yeah, but it's, it's a little bit deeper and it's, um, the ARG. Ah, uh, yes. One. Yes. Uh, are, do you want to talk about that later? We can, I can drop that for now, but I, I, um. Let's return to it. Yeah. Okay. That sounds I'll, good. I'll make a note right, to return yeah, to it. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, last night I went to a meetup. Oh. Um, for people who were looking for people who wanted to volunteer in a sort of in a teenage mentoring program. Wow! And as wow, it turned, Herod. <laughs> well, as it turned out, there were I think maybe ten people there. Yeah, they were all from the same organization who were sponsoring it, sponsoring it. They, they, oh, I was the only that. guy. I was the only what? Out, outsider to show oh, up. Man. Uh, so all the teenagers belong to you. Is this what's happening? Well, no, these weren't. Well, these were not the. Te- these were the mentors. Clearly, uh, oh, okay. Uh, uh, who had showed up because they're looking for other people to get involved, uh-huh. you know, and that's why they did. But I was the only one they snagged, so they were right on me, <laughs> big time, you know. So <laughs> I had a on ra- shit, as we say in Australia. I had, yeah, I had a a, a really good audience, mm. you know, so because they were all pretending to be really interested in everything I said. <laughs> But did, did they give did they give you the all clear, or do they still need to do things before they give you the all clear? Oh no, well, no, we just met and you know had a glass of wine at a at a bar, you know, oh, cool. Oh, not a bar, but it was a, a well, sort of. It's got a bar in it mm. and in a lounge and uh, so Anaheim Way or L.A. Way? No, no, this was uh, actually about a mile and a half from here. In um, when you were in Garden Grove, did you t- did you check out downtown Garden Grove on Main Street? No, we didn't take Really? Okay, that's the, actually the only... Did you see Costco? Uh, no. Okay, well... Uh, <laughs> in the t- in the shop tour of Garden Grove, yeah, I missed really, Costco. Yeah, well, uh, Costco is on one side of Garden Grove Boulevard, mm-hmm. and then the driveway that enters into uh, Costco goes out the other, on the other side of Garden Grove Boulevard into what's c- called Main Street, mm-hmm. Garden Grove, which is a very narrow little street with... Um, Angled parking, okay. you know, like they used to have in the in the forties, you know, yeah. and uh, 
And it's basically, it was traditionally downtown Garden Grove. It was the beginning of Garden Grove, and it still has sort of that flavor. Not, mm. I mean, it's all, you know, it's more shishi now. But, mm-hmm. but um, anyway, so this is a restaurant in there. Uh, and it's a nice, a nice restaurant. Good, good food. Mm. Yeah. So when are you going to be mentoring teens, Heron? Well, I'm not going to be mentoring teens, but I may be teaching the mentors. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, I have no interest in, in doing one. So you're like the boot camp. If you can pass with Heron, you'll be let loose on teens. Well, I don't. No, we didn't. No, there's no decision at all. Okay. Uh, I, the 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 guy, the the honcho of the deal, uh, yeah. was there last night, and we talked for quite a while, and he was very interested, and we just agreed that we'd exchange cards, and then we'd talk, you know. But I had an opportunity to lay a whole bunch of shit on them. <laughs> And um, and they got it. I was figuratively and literally, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> well, I did the surgeon's story. Oh yes, and not one of them got it. Of course, and that's two, not the level they're operating on, Harry. Right? And, and the and the other uh, and two of them admitted to having heard it before yes. and being stumped uh, again. They knew there was a good solution to it that made them feel real stupid, but they couldn't remember what it was. What's the possible solution there? Yeah, you know, Could but they, they the were stereotype. Right. The thing, it was wonderful because they were really open to all this stuff, and, mm. and I could see that, even again, if they initially were just being polite, that, you know, that can lead, you know, acting a certain way engenders actually becoming that way. Mm. You're familiar with that, those theories, mm-hmm. I suppose. So, uh, so in a sense, they, they became really good students and, um, and really sort of got what I was talking about. And, and I did a short thing on the five stupidities and the word the, I mean, I just rat, rattled them off except mm. for the word the, but gave a couple of examples of that. And they got it immediately. And you could see that. You know, and, and the thing is, what they're doing with their their mentor, their mentees, as they call them. I don't know. Is that the correct word? Mentor Mentorees. and mentee. <laughs> the mentors. Yes. Anyway, uh, is that uh, you know they're fun. They raise their own. They raise like fifty thousand dollars a year. Wow. And all their mentors are you know nobody's paid except for like four people that basically do the fundraising and. Mm. Take care it's of funny the that, isn't it? The fundraisers get paid. Yeah, well, it works. Yes, this organization is. It's small. They have a a, a room somewhere. I don't remember where, but it's like uh, thirteen hundred square feet, one big room. And once a week, uh, they get together with all of the mentors and all the mentees, and they have these planned activities. And then during the week, the Mentors meet one on one with their mentees, and they're all and and oh, the other thing is that they're um, it's a it's a thing for the Vietnamese community. I was about to ask that actually. They're they're all Vietnamese. Yeah, I mean, in order to be eligible to be a, a mentee, you have to be a member of the Garden Grove and Westminster, Viet, you know, Vietnamese community. Oh. And um, anyway, it was just a really good group of people. It, it was uh, it was quite fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to talking some more with them and seeing if you know I, I can't uh, you know get together with the mentors sometime and give them a, a rundown on the five stupidities so they can use this shit with their kids. Oh man, yeah, loved it. So that uh, that happened. Uh, let me see here. And then of course Connor cites Bowen. 
road again. And I don't know if you wanted, you know, you. you yeah, my view is actually that we kind of we kind of tackled it in. Yeah. I mean, our tackling was a yeah. superset of what he was talking about. Yeah. Connor, you're going to have to have a fresh question if we're going to raise it on the stone over the future. <laughs> that one too close yeah. to what we discussed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think uh, I've sort of spent my wad on that. Yeah. You know? But what I realize is, though, again, a world without Facebook, Twitter, email, phone, speech, uh, uh, what would you, uh, you know, which one would, it's the, I, I, I get them all. I want them all. I want everything. I don't, I don't have to choose between anything, you know? Start. <laughs> yeah, I, I, my feeling is we've already covered. Yeah. 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 Well, but I mean, I, I, wonder, I wanted to say it again. I think okay. it's, it's important. I think that, that's that's you know uh, in the way of thinking in this world is we've got to pick one thing that you know that we have to do and yes. you know and then and, and forsake everything else and and in some sense that's true for you at this or me at this moment of time i can only do so many things at once but yeah. for us as a species yeah. or civilization we can do any fucking thing we want i want all of that stuff. yeah the only thing that's changed my perspective is no sucking's okay now connor so, <laughs> moving on <laughs> you know nose sucking sounds very much like no sucking yes <laughs> so I wasn't quite sure what you were talking about there. Anyway, next topic, Aaron. <laughs> no, I'm done. You're done? Yeah. Okay. So I have a variety of topics. Again, many of them submitted by listeners. Many of them submitted by Gabriel. I spoke to Gabriel, actually, uh, and had a nice chat with him. I think possibly on Tuesday night, maybe Wednesday night. I think it might have been Wednesday night, actually. And we've agreed to do a podcast of maybe only four or five episodes Liz one has fallen off. Well, not necessarily fallen off, but basically she's had ailments for the past couple of weeks, so we haven't recorded, and I'm starting to feel like it might be just one well, additional thing for her. Be, so yeah, if it, if it happens, it, it happens. Yeah, yeah. Gabriel asked me to talk about the Leicester YMCA. Wait, who did? Gabriel, oh. our listener. Yeah. Because he said I started talking about... He, he look, he's running the gauntlet, as we say in the business. He's gone back to episode zero, the pilot, and he's listening all the way through, Heron. <laughs> oh, no. So we're going to get historical oh, questions oh, all That's the way tall. through. Yeah, take notes, man. And, and, and if you find little things here and there that can be snipped out and used. Uh, Do yeah. Heron's work for him. Damn right. Well, I, I'm not a, you know, man, I can judge it, but I mean, I'm, I don't want to listen to that shit. You see what's happening here, Gabriel? I'm not able to tell a Lester YMCA story. Heron is doing his job. Very good. Um, I did want to talk a little bit about the Leicester YMCA. Okay, the Leicester YMCA. So Leicester is a place. It's a place in the UK. And in this place, in the centre of town, it would be Main Street if it was Garden Grove, there is a large, I don't know, built in the 19th century sometime building, which is the YMCA. It's pretty obvious. It's the, you know, it's the ugly building as you head into town. And I stayed there for about, I want to say four months, maybe three months, actually, when I first moved to the UK. My father lives in Leicester, and my plan originally was to go and live with him. And I was at a stage where, basically, I was being bled dry by lawyers. I left the US. Um, in fact, I left a couple of startups, and I had a fellow back in Australia who was looking to make his millions out of me, and he hadn't gotten what he wanted. So I had a variety of somewhat hostile entities that... Uh, seemed to think that they could get the money that they wanted to make out of me through the period of time that I was in the US still chasing me. And lawyers that were supposedly representing me, but also basically sucking my blood as well. <laughs> so I arrived in the UK with the view that I could stay with my father and his new, well, his 
new woman who he hadn't married at the time. Uh, and the woman who I knew, she actually had come to the UK with my father from Australia, decided after about two weeks that I'd been there for too long. Um, she wasn't a particularly <laughs> pleasant individual, and my father's no longer married to her, so I feel no moral objection to talking yeah. about her in this fashion. Anyway, um, I looked at a few houses or a few terrace apartments, and because I needed money... And because I was. It sounded like a few terrorist apartments. Well, no, no, terrorist apartments is what you said. Our UK listeners may uh, agree (laughs) with you. Um, So, yeah, so I ended up at the YMCA. The YMCA was used to house deportees, basically. And, at the time uh, you were at staying. At the time there. I was there. They had tuberculosis. Um, the, <laughs> fleas, <laughs> the fleas actually ate through my big toe on my right foot. Um, it was quite extraordinary. And it was quite horrendous. And it was pretty appalling. The couple that were in the room next to me, the guy would just beat his wife, basically. <laughs> uh, so my <laughs> evenings were spent listening to him beating his wife. Yeah, and getting your toe eaten off. And like, uh, he, yeah. he, they yeah. were being deported to some middle African country. Probably America. No, no, no. There was, there was some middle African country. Tennessee, Cause, probably. Because his wife would plead to him in this language that I couldn't understand, and then he'd still beat the crap out of her. I actually started to realise that this was very similar to the stuff that they did to people in Guantanamo, in terms of just subjecting them to this audio. Yeah. On the other side, there was a guy who would have been... And he was, a, he was a white guy like me. In fact, he was actually a local resident. And he would play Tupac between 2am and 4am really loudly. So when the guy was done beating his wife and she was just, like, in a crying puddle, uh, the Tupac would start on the other side. And I bought him a pair of headphones, which is where you cut me off in the last time I told the story, and I gave them to him to try and see if he'd listen to his headphones oh, rather yeah. than blasting the Tupac. Yeah. And, and what, did he go for that? And he opened his door, he took the headphones from me, and then threw them in a pile of headphones that other people had already bought for him. And then shut the door. So A pile of headphones. Yeah. When, when I went to complain... You know, I don't even care if this is true or not. It's true. It's a, it's a good story. It's, it's unbelievably true. Anyway, then I asked to move rooms funnily enough one night actually the guy who um, <laughs> the guy who'd been beating his wife decided to and even after i complained about him beating his wife he decided to go out at about um 11 p.m and for some reason he had a boom box a large boom box that he had on a timer and at 1 a.m the boom box went off uh, and it was blasting he wasn't home for three hours in this time the walls were paper oh, thin. Man. so i went downstairs they came upstairs they opened up his room the boom box went off and either there was some contraband in the room or they saw the blood from the wife splattered <laughs> everywhere and that guy was thankfully removed the next guy who moved in was a loud masturbator but we'll move on from that um so when i asked to move rooms mainly because of the tupac guy they put me in a room that had shit smeared on the walls <laughs> and cigarette butts. And when I pointed out that I I just gave up and moved do, back to the Tupac room. Do you have to pay room. for a room at the YMCA? Yeah, you do. It was actually calculated based on the benefits payments that people received in the UK. Uh, 
Okay. Because I was thinking they should be paying you to stay there. You know, they got that all backwards, you know. Well, the funny thing was I was directly opposite the showers that would frequently leak. And what they did was rather than fix the showers, they'd come into the room and they'd shave off the door because the door would swell and you couldn't get in and out of the room. Their solution was not to fix the showers. No, 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 of course, you just shave the door, right? You shave the door. Perfectly good sense, yeah. The other thing was they had a washing machine and dryer. Where the washing, you had to pay with, I don't know, P pieces, maybe even pound coins. And the washing machine and the dryer were out of phase. So the washing machine, I think, either took, I think, took slightly longer than the dryer. Or no, the dryer took slightly less. Anyway, there was something where. They were different. You always had, like, damp clothes or you always had super dry clothes because you just put in double coinage for it. Yeah, okay. It was very, very rustic, and it made me realize... It's actually a point of rebuilding in my life. Rustic? That's an interesting (laughs) name for it. It it made me realize, actually... And I'd had similar... I mean, I hadn't had experiences like this in Australia. In Australia, I lived in a garden shed uh, for two and a half years, where... Which wasn't bad at all compared to the YMCA. In Leicester, (laughs) yeah. But the Leicester YMCA was a turning point. Anyway, um, Gabriel, that's the Leicester YMCA. I eventually got out. The interesting thing, actually, for a majority of my time there, because the legal fees and other... How long were you there? Three months. Oh. The legal fees and other things were just constantly piling in. I was actually working for Ericsson in a really good job. They paid me overtime for working on weekends because my spiritual advisor was in the US. I worked over the weekends, and I made a crap load of money through that time there but you lived at the ymca because i had to, all my money was going to pay off lawyers and resolve oh, yeah, the things that yeah. were going on in the u.s shit um, so yeah that's the ymca god damn <laughs> but yeah I, my perspective- it wouldn't take much to create a better world <laughs> you know it the wouldn't take always, much at all so you've got to appreciate the, the shit smeared room i actually had to meet face to face with a guy who was sympathetic to the tupac player he basically said uh, what are you going to do and I said, well, I maybe you could him. ask him to turn it down. Uh, he's a troubled kid. What are you going to do? So then he put me into the shit-smeared room, and I just said, no, look, put me back. <laughs> and the shit-smeared room, I think, was for complainers. I think yeah, they had a room set up, like, if you complain, room. we'll throw yeah. you in the shit-smeared room. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> that was the Lester YMCI. You've got to have a sense of humor through this, folks. Otherwise, you'll go nuts. Well, yeah, life in the universe, you know. Yeah. Without a sense of humor, you're in big but trouble. You talk about tube socks. <laughs> Every time I put my socks on, I re- I'm reminded of the Leicester YMCA. Because my feet oh. have never been the same since. The yeah. thing that you can do, actually, if you're ever in a situation, listeners, where fleas are eating through your big toe, I chew... <laughs> and I actually saw this on Castaway. I don't think I... Maybe I saw Castaway before I stayed at the Leicester YMCA. You can chew up a little rag, and you can stick it in the hole where the fleas are eating and it's festering, and then you chew it some more, and you keep doing this, and eventually it'll feel itself, folks. So that little bit of uh, additional information. Oh, that's information. good to know. I can, yeah. Let's yeah. hope I, I don't find myself in a situation where I need that. Yes. But if anyone does who's listening in, that little t- bit of tip, it's free. Cereal. You may have even heard of this, Heron. There's been a podcast. So, This American Life, I'm... I'm a bit fishy associated with NPR. It seems a bit too, like, the Democratic Party, basically, to me. And um, I've also told a story, for folks who've never heard this, NPR in Las Vegas ran a funding drive for six months because they didn't get enough money. And through this time, they actually described the cost of all the programs that they put together. And I realised what we do here and what tens of thousands of podcasters potentially do 
is the new model for NPR, and NPR is the old model ah, for NPR. Hmm, interesting. Anyway, This American Life is one of the few successful NPR programs because they have a podcast now and they have sponsorship through the podcast. Serial is a particular murder story uh, spread out over 12 episodes uh, that looks at motive and a variety of other factors about this uh, girl that was killed in uh, Baltimore, I think. I've listened to it. My spiritual advisor listened to it initially. In fact, she woke, she woke up through the week with night terrors. I'm suspicious that the serial podcast was due to this. Um, Could have been the jalapenos. No. Well, I originally <laughs> thought it was the pneumonia, and then I thought, no, actually, because I talked to her about her dreams, particularly because she woke up, like, screaming at 3 a.m. one night. I was just like, um, the next morning, what were you dreaming leading into that? Like, were you either dreaming that you had tightness in chess, or as it turned out, she was dreaming that all her family were murderers and they were each trying to kill her. So, yeah, serial... Um, Provides a number of interesting narratives, actually. I'd recommend it for folks who have heard about it, just the experience. If you haven't heard about it, the thing that I made me listen to it, aside from my spiritual advisor's insistence that I did, was this notion that podcasts are becoming mainstream. And I've been waiting for podcasts to become mainstream. A number of podcasts have become mainstream. Yeah. And I guess, look, to be fair, Model Rail Radio is pretty bloody mainstream. I mean, it's, yeah, well, it's I mean, niche, it's identifiable. It's got a good audience. It's yeah, it, that's about as mainstream as you can get. I mean, it's two, not huge, but it's yeah. but it's well established. Two topics that came out of Serial impacted me. The first was associated with Orthodox religions and their side dating methods. And their what side dating methods? So Orthodox religions typically require basically eliminate any possibility of teenage dating unless it's done within very strict confines. And part of the narrative in this is that the two participants, or not even participants, two of the characters in this melees in Serial are both come from different Orthodox perspectives. And they have to date, but they have to cover up the fact that they're dating. I don't think we've ever talked about this on Stone Ape, but from when I was about 17 through to, I guess, when I was about 19... Maybe 16 to 19. Some some period of time, roughly three years. I dated an Orthodox Jewish girl. And I did this as the good boyfriend. I, with all the formality and all the rigours and all the nonsense associated with that, down to the point where I got a scholarship to go to Israel and I learnt Hebrew. As, I don't know what even you'd call it. Like, not a, well... Anything to get laid. Basically. (laughs) And believe me, this was a long and tortured task, (laughs) involving countless strange meals. And I may have told you this, the crotch-eating dog. The family had, like, um, it was a Newfoundland that would literally latch onto my crotch every time I came in the house. And the thing about it was, I developed this strategy where I'd lift one leg up slightly and, like, rest my knee on the dog's snout as it was, like, desperately going for my crotch. Very, very curious. Anyway, through this whole period of time, this girl had another guy who, funnily enough, was a Catholic and was relatively orthodox, who she was fucking the whole time. (laughs) And there were a number of incidents through this period. And you were putting up with all this bullshit and and fucking Catholic was getting all the goods, man. In fact, at the end of the conversation, the Catholic guy (laughs) called me up. I knew him as a kind of long-distant friend, or long-distant, we'd been to high school, or maybe college together, anyway. An acquaintance. Um, acquaintance. Someone I knew, anyway. He called me up after this had all come out, and he said, this whole time, you've been 
having intellectual... He didn't say intellectual, he said deep conversations with her. This whole time. You've been, like, talking to her and nurturing her in that way. I mean, I... What, was he offended? That, he that, was offended that, that... you were getting all the good stuff and not all he was getting exactly, was laid. Exactly. <laughs> and the thing about it was they well, were that's... incredibly sneaky about it. And the other curious thing was her father once, <laughs> when I was about 17, and I used to go to bed relatively early, her father once called up my mother very belligerently and said, wake your son up, my daughter is in his bed. And my, my mother came into my room and, in fact, no, she didn't. She refused. She said, categorically, I know my son is asleep. And I came to, and we were effectively in high school. It was called college, but it was the last two years of high school. And I said to her, this happened. And she kind of looked a little red and looked aside. And then it kind of came out that she was with this Alistair character. And I didn't think anything of it at the time. And then when it all came out that basically they've been having this relationship for years, all these things like that started falling yeah, into like place. Yeah, everything starts to make sense. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, my perspective with regards to these things... I got is- dumped by a girl because I was Catholic. Or not by her, but her father refused to allow her to go out with me because uh-huh. I was Catholic. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's strange. It's strange, that whole thing. But, uh, yeah, the notion of orthodox side dating is... is uh, Funnily enough, actually... It's not really a... It was only through this context of kind of illicit love or what have you that just annoyed me. But it's something that I guess is simmering in my personality and I just need to hear about it in order to recount this this occasion. <laughs> the funny thing was, because I got a scholarship to Israel, the local Jewish community... And when I didn't take the scholarship, because obviously I found out what she was doing. Yeah, right. You weren't going to get laid, so the hell of it. Screw this bullshit. <laughs> Learning Hebrew? I think not. <laughs> The local Jewish community started a telephone harassment scheme on me. Like, firstly, I was besmirching this girl's credibility, which I think is very curious. But secondly, I was taking away a scholarship for a good Jewish boy because the community had already nominated which kid was going to Israel. And it wasn't me, and I got his scholarship. Well, so why don't they just give it to him, then? Uh, That was a little bit too detailed. They hadn't really worked that thing out yet, anyway. So that's my orthodox idea. The second thing is associated with prison and the kind of psychopaths that actually survive at prison. I think of prison mainly because of my education as being equivalent to a kind of continuation of school. I mean, although I thought university was a kind of continuation of school, I think prison is a logical kind of continuation of school as well. I have this persistent fear. I don't dream that I'm in prison. I don't dream associated with... I do dream associated with confinement, but never associated yeah. with prison. See, I don't mind the confinement. They, if, I got, if I was in jail, I would hope that I would be in solitary. Mm. Because the problem I would have would be dealing with all those fucking language moments yeah. in there. You know, yeah. I, could, I can easily spend time by myself. That's mm. not a problem. <laughs> but yeah. if I had to deal with those fucking language monkeys in prison, I'd be in big trouble. I frequently reflect Am I doing something that might lend me to, you know, might cause me to go to prison? I'm, it's it's a strange thing, and I think it's the last vestigial remains of my time spent in Australia that I still think that, you yeah. know, there's a likelihood that I could end up in prison <laughs> You're end if I'm up in jail. Yeah. 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 I, I, yeah, I don't. That's funny. You know, I've never really given that much thought. That's interesting. Yeah. That's just not something I've ever really worried about. So, speaking of language monkeys, I am now the vice president of the Spartan Keys, what is it called, Neighbourhood Action Committee. 
vice president of that organization. You're the vice president. I, I was elected vice president. Of the Na- Spartan, Spartan P- Keys Neighborhood Action Committee, the NAC. Neighborhood Com- Action, Action Committee. Committee. The action is important here. And I realized after I was elected by vote, unopposed, but still by vote, um, that I am not angry enough in these kind of circumstances. The circumstance is that the city mm. funds the space that we meet in. And three of the participants, I think even three of the board members, are paid or at least volunteer in the space. So the space is very important to them. More important, actually, than representing the community against the city. So the city person comes in and is all happy and is welcomed with open arms, and we can't get cops out here. And, you know, we have belligerent criminals just wandering around, shaking down, you know, local shopkeepers and things like that. And I actually became angry after, as I was walking home and kind of going to bed following the election, that I'm going to have to actively represent my concerns in these circumstances. Yeah, well, I'm a little curious. When you say you can't get a police response, mm-hmm. I mean, what does that mean? That means that if, for example, so I had my hair cut. In fact, on two occasions I've had my hair cut and the shop owner's been shaken down some way. Um, shaken down? Well, in one case, uh, it was two homeless guys that basically came in, sat down, glared at her, went outside and started pushing around people that would be customers. And and, uh, and and they said, give us 20 bucks and we'll leave. Yes. <laughs> Although that wasn't said in my presence. It was clear what was going on. Okay, but I mean, that's that's what's going on. Is they, they cause an uproar yeah. and then yeah. want some money and then they'll go away. I called the police and they hung up on me. <laughs> well, that's a good start. Yeah. They hung up on you. Yeah. Well, as I say, it's that fucking Tom Barbelay again. That fucking asshole troublemaker. Well, yeah. Fuck him. Yeah. The vice president of the Yeah, he's Spartan probably Keys a fucking faggot Australian, you know? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Did you say faggot? Yes. Very good. <laughs> Just wanted to clarify because I was. Well, so, I mean, no, what I'm getting, I mean, you're saying there is a pattern. This isn't just something that you have happened to run into. The in but about fact, it is, they are ignoring this yes. particular neighborhood but yes. responding to others, or are they. Oh, no, look, you can't. Are there other action committees for other neighborhoods that have formed? Yes. Oh, have you been in contact with them? No, but that I, might that's be interesting. My responsibility, my responsibility well, no, is, to, is to get, you know. Well, yeah, but it might be interesting to see what's going on, and you know, if you if it's just your problem or if it's a wider problem. It, that, it's, just, it's the surrounding. This is a neighborhood of about um, a thousand houses. There's another neighborhood over of a thousand houses. There's one to the south as well. And the, is there any geographical differentiation between them, or is well, the, how do you a mile? It's it's pretty. Rough. In, I mean, the, the, how, where one begins and another ends is. is is clear or it's pretty it's rough. Just, the yeah, historic okay. neighborhoods, which one up from us is a historic neighborhood. Um, they actually have like signs. Right, they've all got his. How old? Are, yeah, are those all pretty? Those neighborhoods have been there for quite a while, right? Well, most of the houses around here that are still standing from the original houses are more than a hundred years old. Oh, okay, all right. Uh, so the neighborhood itself is more than is has been there for a long time. Of that age, yeah. Okay. The folks to the south have problems with prostitution. Uh, they've actively posted about that. The police do nothing about that. Have you gone to any city council meetings? No, that's the next step. But my my yeah. first step is to get our local city council representative, who's an ex cop, 
who I've met. He attended the first one that I was at. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've just got to start being a troublemaker. If well, I think not to be a troublemaker. You can just go and... I wouldn't think of it as being a troublemaker. In fact, I'd try to make friends with him. I, I think I have, because I'm the only person that actually films the crimes happening. And he was certainly very receptive to that. I followed yeah. San Jose Police Department's guidelines, yeah. and then, because they weren't going to turn up, I started filming the stuff. Yeah. Um, in fact, I talked to... There were a group of residents there. There's been an alleyway... Um, that people actually have garages on, so it's like an access alleyway that people drive up and what have you. Yeah. Um, that basically has been a pond for the past seven years. Actually, more than that, because the city said six years ago they were going to fix it. And the group- they, do, do you know what their financial situation is? Yeah, city- they've got they've got thirty million dollars they're holding on to and not releasing for okay. public works. Okay, so all right, so this is uh, okay. This not, is they're going pure broke. incompetence. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so a group of these people came very servilely. So are you into- going to be the next mayor? Who knows, Heron? I think that's. I think we should run Tom Barbelay for mayor of San Jose. We've had enough of this shit. Oh, this is San Jose. I, I thought this was some smaller. No, this is San Jose. Nine hundred. Oh, mil- oh, okay, so it's just neighborhood. That in fact, there are other people. Okay, yeah, there are. So there are neighborhood. Nobody gives a shit about where the money people are. They're probably getting fine. Oh, no, it's amazing. You see, I think some of these people are also private, um, private cops. And I've actually seriously start, started to consider and look into how much private cops cost. Because I'm paying, you know, $14,000 to the city for nothing. Yeah, you could take it or write it off in your taxes. No, I, no, I will, I will <laughs> petition the city, actually, and say, if you guys don't pay policing, then let's uh, get in private cops yeah. and let's take it off the taxes yeah, that yeah, I pay. Yeah. We'll, I'll, or I'll hire yeah. them and you can send you the bill. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So, no, I realized, actually, that I was being very passive, and I was being very passive initially because, you know, I was new and I wanted to suss this thing out. Well, that's a good way to start, you yeah. know, is to just sort of sit there and The other thing is that there's out. a guy yeah. who lives on my street who's part of the Neighborhood Action Committee. He's one of the board at large who's been here for 25 years, and he's one of these kind of bitter old guys, which basically seems to be a majority of the folk, either bitter old women or bitter old guys, um, (laughs) that have just been here forever and probably don't pay any property tax, but at the same point are just like, ho-hum, ho-hum. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that's clearly worked Yeah, what is the neighborhood makeup? You got, what percentage of the total are like that? Um, well... You see, on either side of us, we have people who bought their properties for less than 10% of what we paid for this place. And they did it on one side because the guy's sister is a real estate agent and found it as a depressed property and bought it 10 years ago. And the other other side, because the family internally, which is very curious, but apparently still legal, sold it to themselves for considerably less money i.e. taking a loss <laughs> on the house was better than the property tax over a period of time yeah. which seems very strange to me but it's what they did yeah so um yeah these two folks you are know, there any people like you who have moved in there are four new sales on the streets i'm trying to organize through next door those may be the people that exactly, you, yeah, because they're they've got some hopes for the future. Well, no, they've put in money. They actually yeah. have money in the game, like serious yeah. money. Like I've put serious money yeah. into this city um, for at least a year, and will continue to do so. Yeah, that's a good point to make to them. Yeah. Is that you know you got people coming in here and investing, and yeah. we're not getting any fucking support exactly. from you. Yeah. Exactly, and I think also the perception in the neighborhood is just you know they're just. 
completely lost its way through something. So, so let me ask you a question because I'm, I'm still not clear. The, the the moneyed parts of town are getting okay service. Well, better service than we're getting. I mean, or is, the, or is just the whole fucking city is just completely incompetent? Is I don't it? know. I mean, certainly I, I have a co-worker that lives in another part of San Jose, and he bought into a new build community, which I think is less likely to have the kinds of crimes that we see. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I mean, anyway, it, it's an interesting... It's an I interesting think you ought to run for mayor, man. I, yeah. I'll support you. Just send them over and I'll be happy to talk about how great you, a mayor you'd be. The problem is that all the politicians through the political season apparently walk the street, but I'm at work at the time, so I never actually get to meet these schmucks uh, yeah. until they're actually elected. I mean, not having jobs or not having jobs that require you, which typically means that you're either... I mean, many of them seem to come from kind of moneyed positions... Where they can kind of take time off work. Well, sure, they got time to do this stuff. Yeah. 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 Politics is a rich man's game. Oh, man. In this country, more than anywhere. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's the uh, current vice president San Jose status. I have had requests from uh, listeners to talk about San Jose a little bit more. So, while we're talking about crazy bureaucracy, I have nominally for more than two years now been the industry outreach person on the International Society of Artificial Life board. Board here has many meanings. And um, (laughs) I called in this morning to their monthly Skype call, which is at a bad time for me anyway. And I've asked them if they could change the time just one time, maybe every three months. No, no budging on that. I called in because of the problems that I've been having with the mailing list that they don't maintain, but they still have some interest in. And also, as it turned out through the call early on, because I am the industry outreach person, they wanted an update from me. I explained to them what I've been doing with the Conscious in the Cloud series. I explained to them that I've been mentoring a couple of startups for total kind of spread out and no luck associated with Google, or Apple or Netflix providing the bundles of cash. Apparently, they felt that they were promised by working with me. <laughs> Halfway through, actually, I, I finished, you know, my update. And a fellow started talking about how he'd read an article on something, and then my audio was cut, and I fell off the call, and I called back in. Five minutes later, it took because I rebooted my machine, did all the usual practices to work out what was going on. Uh, And the guy was still talking, and then he just wrapped up, and then the chair of the board said, Tom, do you think any of these three solutions are important? All of which required me to basically hold a conference, or go to one of their conferences in... Europe or Japan or Mexico or wherever they're being held and put on a workshop at cost to me, obviously. And I said, look, I'm moving towards audio podcasts, basically. I tried through Conscious in the Cloud. I could possibly do something locally, but the problem I find locally is people just don't show up. And then another fellow started talking about um, how what they should do is actually have conferences right next to biology conferences so the biologists could get involved, which kind of was an undertone of like, who the fuck is this Tom Barbelay guy anyway? And clearly we're not going to have the bundles of cash that we wanted through industry. Um, <laughs> when he concluded, I said, I asked them, have any of you actually heard the audio, m- most of which has been posted publicly associated with what I've tried to do in the Conscious and Cloud series? An absolute silence. And the chair asked me what I was asking. And I said, no, look, the last one I did was associated with noble apes, because this guy had been talking about how biologists were obviously the way the artificial life community should be communicating, and only biologists would understand the deep, profound work in the artificial life community. And I said, actually, my outreach to industry has been very pluralist and tried to bring as many people as possible, and really, this is about moving out of kind of common spaces. Yeah. Take them anywhere the you thing. can get them. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> 
by which point I was cut off and the meeting continued associated with how MIT Press, who I won't do any business with, is the only means of collecting funds for this. And I said at the end, quite quickly, um, you know, that I'd basically resolved the issue associated with the mailing list and the call kind of concluded. I'm really feeling very strongly, and I had even prior to this call, that I should have nothing more to do with these individuals. And the thing that struck me through the call was that they thought I'd promised them cash and sponsorship and legitimacy in industry. And what I had tried to do was actually bring people into the conversation and tried to, you know, get a variety of things that weren't actually going to provide them money. Because basically, if you run conferences internationally, and if that's your thing, they're actually quite expensive. And if you don't have people turning up to the conferences, then you really want sponsorship. And I realized there was a kind of disconnect between what I was doing. And I should also point out here, Bruce Damer, historically, when he was doing his PhD, recorded everything. Every conversation he had, he recorded. And he provided me the audio as his PhD supervisor. One of these individuals had tried to get Bruce to get money into his research institution. He's now in a completely different institution. That institution, the previous one, closed down. And I realised that this whole desperation associated with cash in industry... I mean, I didn't really say explicitly what I said previously. The only outreach I've done has been very useful to get people out of academia and into industry. And once the people are in industry, they forget about me. So if I work with a university and work with graduate students, what happens is the graduate students go and work at Google and Apple, and I never hear from them again when I assist them in this life. The whole notion that I'm putting something back into academia through my interaction is basically blocked by academics that aren't interested in this stuff. So, yeah, I thought after this thing... And the other thing that was really striking to me was that none of them knew who I was. None of them knew what I did. None of them listened to the Conscious in the Cloud series. And they were on a completely different narrative. It was like I was talking one thing, they were talking something completely different. Yep. So, Mm -hmm. easy. One of the people (laughs) who I have communicated with is a fellow by the name of Rudy Rucker. I've known Rudy for 15 years now. I've corresponded with him periodically. He was based at San Jose State University. He threw one of the biota conferences actually at San Jose State in 2001. And I walked through San Jose State. It's in my walk to walking into downtown. It's a very interesting campus. It's a campus that runs for, I think, maybe three, maybe five city blocks in either direction. So it's a square campus confined by the roads. And it's a very industrial campus. And it's a, it seems to me to be a very interesting place. Uh, so I made contact again with Rudy Rucker this week in order to try and potentially do what I've been doing, Conscious in the Cloud, at Netflix, but do it at San Jose State with a bunch of kids or students who I think are considerably more receptive to a lot of the stuff that I talk about. Mm, than yeah. you know. Uh, and uh, after three emails, actually after two emails, to be fair, Rudy emailed me back like he didn't know who I was. He then pieced together who I was through a string of emails following on, which was actually quite sweet because they were spread between my work address and my home address home email address but it made me realize actually and i've kind of had this i know a lot of people that did a lot of stuff 20 years ago and i don't know anyone who's doing anything now in terms of getting into universities and most of the academics that i track leave academia very rapidly so i'm in this strange kind of quandary where and maybe people who listen to stone Ape, i mean i talked to gabriel about this specifically you know, there are places of outreach with regards to this kind of information but unfortunately the people are just going to have to find me uh, because I put in some effort to find the people, uh, but well, that's all you can do. You yeah. just put it out there as best you can at the time, and that's out of your hands then. So the last topic I have down is Arg number one one one. Yes, 
<laughs> now, the fellow who wrote this actually, for the first time, I think, I think, <laughs> I saw his face through the week, which was very nice. And if we don't get too downstream, I might actually name him in the podcast. I don't know whether he wanted to remain anonymous through the post. I didn't see a name associated. No, I intentionally didn't post it because he didn't post I mean, it was done through a kind of convoluted means and I didn't want to immediately identify him with this view because I thought oh, okay. it was a view that actually a number of listeners through who corresponded with me through the week agreed with. Yeah. And it's interesting actually because I also spent a portion of the week thinking about how we could actually do this. And the only thought that I have, if it involves me, is if prior to the Stone Ape recordings that we record typically on a Friday evening, which means really we'd start recording Stone Ape later, we did a video thing for 15 minutes associated with a topic that we wouldn't discuss in the Stone Ape, and that became the video. <laughs> Why would... Okay, yeah, all right. Or we could discuss it in greater detail in the Stone Ape and actually get it people It could just be an excerpt from the Stone Ape. Well, the problem with the excerpt part is that the way I do my recording is completely orthogonal in audio to the way that I do video recording. Oh, yeah, video. That, yeah, but does, yeah, does, does it have to be video, though? Well, See? if you're putting it on YouTube, it does. No, if, it doesn't have to be video. It just has to have some graphics that accompany it. I My feeling is, look, we I've seen, I've, listen, I've watched a lot. Of course, Alan Watts is one yeah. thing. But there's plenty of five-minute-long Alan Watts things yeah. with just pictures behind it with millions of views. Here's what we're looking for. But Harry. he's Alan Watts. Here's what we're looking for. Yeah. We're looking for time, re- as we do with the podcasts, every couple of weeks people can expect there'll be at least one, sometimes two, Stone Ape podcasts. You need to put up video with the same frequency or better, in fact, better, more. yeah. Than yeah. you would in audio podcast. Yeah. Daily would be good. Yeah. 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 And my perspective with this is... Um, well, you could record them a lot in advance, though, too. You could do that as well. Yeah. You can spread yeah. it out. But you still require... And as soon as we finish tonight, I'm going to the local model rail club because the one of the participants in the local model rail club, who's also a Stone Ape listener... Let me know in no uncertain terms in the last recording of Model Rail Radio that not only would I be kicked out, <laughs> tarred and feathered, out of the local Model Rail Club, I would be one of the few people that would be discommunicated before any possibility if I didn't attend at least one more of these. Well, probably many more, but at least one more. So as soon as I'm done with you, I'm you going have to, to that show up. Event. There. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, but my time is scarce. And my thinking time is particularly scarce because yeah. work renders me in circumstances where I can't always do the kinds of stuff that we do on Stone Ape. And sometimes I cancel based on that. Yeah. Um, so I want to make sure that the time is maximized. If I'm doing well, something... You know, yeah. Well, you know, the, uh, Mott's put up something, you know, basically suggesting people vote for... <laughs> segments that Topics. are good yeah and yeah but that's no, with your old i thought that was with your old material where well, he was well, forget, well, well and, that that you know but i'm thinking for the stone eight podcast we've got a guy now going through them from beginning to end if we could find particular things in there hmm. that that were really good and just excerpt them and then build a little yeah live I mean, I, thing I, around I, it. i did that with our serious approach over i think five shows and yeah. got about seven segments of audio through yeah. that yeah which i think may i'm, I'm going to go back and listen but may stand up to the test of time i, I think there may be quite a few clearly fairly yeah. good you know three or four yeah. or five no they're seven segments. to ten minute segments the way we do we well don't they do don't have to be minutes. that long why yeah, do they have to be seven to ten that's how long it takes us to evolve 
even small topics, Heron. Well, but well, uh, whatever. Okay, if, if that's what it turns out to be, but I, I, I would just say probably for sure under ten minutes. But I can imagine a, a podcast that's only three minutes long. But, but that's that not what probably we do, Heron. That's not what you and I do. Our, well, our yeah, thinking well, wrapping time is yeah, at minimum right. seven minutes. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I, I can live with that. Yeah. yeah. I'm just saying I'm not going to arbitrarily cut it off. You know, if, if there's something at yeah. three, then go for it. Yeah. But the likelihood of that happening is probably slim. Yes. Anyway, you wanted to talk more about ARG 111. Oh, well, it was, it was just that, again, it's become really clear to me that I'm really busy with internal work right now. Yeah. Uh, preparing myself to be ready to go public with this kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, when I, I mean, it's getting clear to me that people resonate to it. Like I say, at that meeting last night, the, pretty much everybody could follow me and what I was saying and saw that it had applicability uh, with the kids they're dealing with. You One know? of the reasons I listened to Serial actually was so my spiritual advisor would listen to the Crime Fighting Noble Ape audio. In fact, that was our agreement. I would listen to. 12 hours of audio if she would listen to one hour of audio. <laughs> oh, man. So, and she finished it, and she said it was really good, and she said, I need to get a publicist this year. And what I'm probably going to do, actually, is get a publicist this year, which means whether you like it or not, Heron, your stuff is going to go public. Well, and it, irrespective yeah. of where you are ready... No, I'm, I can deal with that. I'm going to pay someone to yeah. get this stuff out no, here, because I'm I, frustrated listen, by it. I, can, the, I yeah. can deal with that. Uh, I mean that—that's probably a good idea. Yeah. But uh, like I say, I—it's I, not going to change in a sense. Yeah. Well, it'll change everything. I mean, if there was actually somebody saying, "Okay, what if we do this, this, and this?" and here's yeah. how you do this and this, and uh, this is what it's going to take if you do this and yeah. that. So you know? Gabriel's science of astrology podcast, which you can't actually get through iTunes, you can only get through Talkshoe featured a recording yesterday evening, I think, associated with language monkeys, amongst other things. And I listened to it after it was posted to get a sense of what he was talking about. Firstly, the pronunciation of my name is Barbele. Easy to say, Barbele. Anyone? Because I say hello, Heron, hello, Tom. You don't get to hear the pronunciation of my name standardly in a Stone Age lesson, <laughs> really. It's Barbele. Barbele. Anyway. What, now we're past that. When people listen to this thing, they, maybe because they don't understand the stuff that I'm saying, because of my accent, obviously, they tend to gravitate to your work. It's not about simulation, irony of living in crime-filled cities, you know, all this kind of stuff. It's about the five stupidities. It's about language monkeys. It's about well, the work for a, of a large stuff. part, but these are all people who have come in just recently since we did that salon thing. Uh, I think. Well, yeah, no, these people that came from the salon, right? They'd never been here before. Who knows? My perspective is that folks who listen, who I've surveyed, who communicate with me who oftentimes have come from stuff that I've produced historically, more often than not gravitate very swiftly to the ideas that you're putting out here. Well, that's a large, that's a, that's part of what we do here. Yeah, I, I'm here doing my thing and you're here doing your Well, thing. actually, what interests me through this is few people, maybe because I'm not quite as explicit or although I have works out there that people can consume, I think the five stupid. It's a bit like Dawkins. Your stuff is a is way more rarefied than what I'm doing. My stuff has application in people's everyday lives. Noble ape and artificial intelligence and biology is of interest to a very very small number of people. You know, most people don't have the luxury 
to be able to give their intellectual resources to those kinds of things. They're they're trying to pay the rent. They're they're trying to raise their kids. They're you know they're worried about all sorts of shit. The world's going to hell. <laughs> it's crazy as fuck. You know, and the stuff I'm talking about has some application in how to negotiate that. But and and, and the um, <laughs> noble ape stuff does too. But but you have to be in a very different space to see the connection. I'm not arguing that. Yeah. I guess what interests me is that um, I'm trying to think of a metaphor that's in no way sexual. I can't do that. So let's move on from that. <laughs> let's just go with it. No, let's move on from that. So I guess my perspective is, irrespective of what you want or would like, just through the format of this recording and the way that people very swiftly gravitate because you repeat yourself. Yes, of course. I did the same shit over and over yeah. again. That they realize, ah, oh, the Stone Ape thing's about the five stupidities. It's about language <laughs> right. monkeys. That's what it's about. Yeah, that's right, yeah. man. And yes, also, the voice in your head is not yeah. something you are doing. Yes. Yeah. You, you are both the wiser and more attractive part of Stone Ape. So obviously they're going to gravitate. <laughs> well, to you. Of course. You're yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. So, why am I putting myself here? Anyway, so um, my perspective is. <laughs> this thing is going to be happening irrespective of your perspectives of time and you know yeah, domain. Yeah. Well, if yeah, when it's out of my control, then I accommodate myself to it. The other thing that this arg author mentioned was that the doing actually helps the doing, funnily enough, and not sure. doing. Yeah, no, yeah, no, no. Taking action stoke. I mean, really be- elevates the exponential curve considerably. Mm. And that's sort of why I haven't been pushing it. Because like I say, I think I'm really on the verge of a kind of breakthrough. Hmm. But if I move too soon, like I say, I won't be able to back it up. And yeah. if, if there is a surge, if there is, if something does go viral and it catches on, I need to have, I need to be able to take advantage of that, to back it up with yeah. everything. My experience in the very rare occasion that my stuff has very occasionally gone viral, which over 18 years, maybe twice, is that... You can never predict when that's going to happen, and no. you just need to base. It, you need to be in a position at any time to answer a variety of questions that you may never have considered. In fact, the whole notion of being ready in these circumstances indicates that you it, it goes against the nature of viral. No, but you have to have you have to have. Well, not uh, you, I. Mm-hmm. If if this stuff goes viral, I want to have something to offer people who want to know more. Hmm. I want to have a course let, ready let me, to go. Let me put this to you. Yeah. Of the people that come here, of the people that take this to a certain degree of depth, of the people that listen to more than 20 shows, because I've done that survey now through the Facebook group, thank you for everyone who's responded <laughs> on that, the people who you are talking to, a vast majority, get or at least sustained with the early part of your rap for maybe a two, three year period. I think you've got a long runway no, associated yeah. with getting no, people. No, no, you're no, you're right. I agree yeah. with you. I think, I think, uh, yeah, it's possible to. But the thing is, I that's not a. Yeah, I can do that, and then that's possible. Yeah, mm. but I want to do more than that. Certainly, I, I want to actually. If people like it and want to do something, I want to say, "Cool, man, go to this thing, log into but this the problem, URL." I guess the problem is that you need to have when my stuff has gone viral. In most circumstances, thankfully, I've had backfill for that. Mm-hmm. You've got to backfill that. You can't, you can't, the possibility that you could go viral, which literally could happen at any time, because you've got yeah. stuff Yeah, you out never there. can tell. Yeah, yeah. 
then you're going to have to either be in position to create the material very rapidly. Or have it ready to go. Or have it ready to go. And yeah, or damn close. It doesn't have to be ready yeah. to go. It just has to be close to ready to go. The, the purpose, I mean, now Gabriel and a number of other folk have actually gone back and listened to the back catalogue. This yeah. serves as a description up until the present day associated with something that people will find if they're interested in digging to that depth. Yeah. YouTube and, is something completely different. Yeah. YouTube not- is, in, in, particularly in terms of mass subscription, is a means of providing um, almost like a tasting menu of yeah. ideas that you can put yeah. out there and see how that goes. But it's not the same thing as what we do, and it's probably no, not the same no. thing as what you want in the long term. No, it's I something see, that's different. Now, YouTube is really, uh, well, it's a teaching and a marketing medium. Mm. As I see it, anyway. It's a place to put some ideas into the world. And uh, basically, like I say, what I want to do is is sell trainings. Mm. You know, in, in a sense, I want people to go to a website. I don't, I don't know whether there are going to be live seminars. There probably mm. will be for so, some levels. But for some introductory stuff, it could all be web-based. Mm. Uh, I, I guess the requests that came from listeners that wanted you to get a whiteboard for your birthday... Yeah. <laughs> was that you would be able to prepare in, as you say, maybe five, seven-minute segments that you yeah. put up on YouTube, exactly those components in, absolutely. in short form. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The thing is, I need to have some clear vision of what the fuck the format of all that is, and I just don't. But is starting doing that, maybe even having, like, a test ah, group. okay, okay. Where you can see out of these, this, these, this idea was what was well, gravitated is, to. I, what I really resist is mm-hmm. this idea of giving can. Uh, this is why I like having conversations with people because mm. it forces me I mean because actually I discover a lot in these mm. discussions because I never know what the fuck I'm going to have to deal with people next people have identified this week which has always been my frustration which is why I have the five stupidities in seven seconds I've identified that what you have historically pointed people to which is your discussion with the late Tom Vine yeah. is not the right format still for a group of oh, people oh I agree with you yeah. it's just what I've got but it's and, true and- but in the past Six, seven years since that was recorded, maybe five yeah. years since that was recorded. Yeah, um, yeah the story has evolved since then. That's yeah, a, it, it, it seems like it seems long and out no, of No, you're day right. Now. You're yeah. right. You're right. I probably need. Um, In fact, I think what we did for the more. salon may be that an may be, You know, you're right. I'll have to listen to that. Jesus Christ, I may have to listen to it. Yeah. Oh, no. Okay, yeah, I'll listen to that. You're, I think you may be right. Yeah, the five stupidities aren't all that interesting to me anymore. Yeah. Really. You know, yeah, you, you know. Ah, okay. Well, also the talk that I did at uh, Fullerton, I thought that was pretty good. I Fullerton mean, it was, was interesting. It was slightly, yeah, it was slightly more disjointed, and that was certainly oh, yeah. what I was mindful of when we yeah. did the yeah. salon piece. Was yeah. that I wanted to, you know, keep yeah, I was all over the place there, but still, yeah. it, I liked, I liked it overall. I thought it had a good attitude. You were constrained time-wise there, yeah, but, but also yeah, it yeah. Short. needed to be at least yeah. an hour. Yeah, yeah. But in any case, uh, th- I do have a couple other resources, and you're right, the, this five stupidity, it may be time to retire that, or, or not retire it, but, uh, you know, move on I to some. Make it a component. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh, for a lead, I mean, that's what I usually send people. Well, and, and that's still good for certain people who have come to me because of the five stupidities. I can say, well, go listen to this, you know, that, that'll do it. But you're right, the, re- the real message now is about breaking identification with the language machine. Certainly. The five stupidities are just a method. Yeah. The method that I have chosen for achieving that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's just uh, really a, a methodological issue. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm for that. 
Um, I'm ready to move on this stuff. It's just that I need to I need to have some sense of where it is we're going and why. The other thing associated with doing a video, even a video intro to Stone Ape, is it would mean that you and I would have to look at each other for a period of time. Oh, no. No, and we couldn't find a way around that. Oh, well, like we just divert our eyes. We have two faces no, well, what do you mean? What do you mean? Other. We're doing it on Skype, right? Or the YouTube whatever, which does oh, whatever. video, we're doing shared it on, video. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, but so I don't have to put your face on the screen. I can just pull that window down out of the bottom of the window. Yeah. I don't give a shit what you look like. Yeah. You know, I mean, everyone else will see it, but I don't have to look at it. Yes. Look at me. Yes. I mean, we can be exactly like what we're doing now. Potentially so. Yeah, that would be actually well, really very curious. Well, yeah, who cares what the fuck you look like? That's just bullshit. I can say I don't. I, well, don't I think st- it might actually change our conversations, though. I mean, well, I know, and I don't want it to. I, that's that's why I don't like video. Okay, I don't so want it to change. The here's where we need to recruit someone. Okay, we need to find uh, this. I think I thought the Kundalini woman was probably our best bet through this. <laughs> I'll have to go and find other. I don't even remember. I remember the reference to the Kundalini woman, but I don't. I don't it was something to do with Mots, right? Yes, it was. Mots said this group that he started up with. <laughs> oh, that's right. Somehow yeah. he'd fallen out and he <laughs> like, denied anything that this Kundalini woman was posting anymore because he deleted all her posts and just said, <laughs> scroll down, Mots, scroll down. <laughs> But the funny thing is, the Kundalini woman is exactly the kind of person that much should be embracing. Because ultimately, the Kundalini woman has her following. She's very, what's the term? Flexible, for want of a better term? I mean, <laughs> and yeah, she's possible to be reprogrammed. Exactly. You know, that, now this is, this, but you have to be clever in doing yeah. that, though. But, but so, you're what right. I need yeah. to do is find the equivalent of the Kundalini woman who has about 4,000 subscribers currently <laughs> and wants her next big well, break. What's wrong with the, the psychedelic salon? What just couldn't that be our Kundalini woman? Well, we will be to a certain regard, but I'm talking about <laughs> if you're doing YouTube. Oh, you need to have something, you know. Well, I, you know, I don't know what we need. Like I say I, I, that's why I haven't done anything is because I just really haven't come up with an idea that makes it that works for me, yeah. you know. And no one else has offered one <laughs> that works, yeah. so I'm open to it. So. Uh, who wrote that ARG thing? Well, there's no, that's right. We don't have a, I don't have, I don't know who it is. But listen, I'm ready to go. Mm. Just tell me what the fuck to do. Yeah. Specifically, don't give me some generalizations. I mean, step A, B, C, D. To do what? What will doing this achieve and how, you know, lay it out for me. I'm ready. While you were saying that, I had this image of, of propositioning a First Street hooker as being the, uh, <laughs> your YouTube partner. There you go. Yes. Really? Yes, I like that. Actually, that actually might be doable. (laughs) You know, and I've always been partial to those Groucho Groucho masks. Yes, actually, look, um, Gabriel suggested that I be Obama and you be Nixon. Um, no, I'd rather be indescribable, you know. Maybe I'll just, you know, wear a balloon over my head or well, something. Well, like one of those Freddy slasher masks or whatever. Well, it's not Freddy. Uh, I've got it wrong. It's Jason yeah. slasher mask. Well, there's all sorts of possibilities. Yeah. I'm, masks probably aren't, won't be all that comfortable. The thing that struck me, Gabriel also posted to your Facebook page today, I think, some guy who I, I watched like 30 seconds of it. Yeah. I really, I found that just so... The thing was that he actually kind of looked like you. And that was, um, 
the guy who he posted. Oh, really? I didn't. Okay, I saw that. Well, I saw... He was bald with glasses and a beard, and he had a kind of, you know, he had a similar kind of it's face. funny, I didn't even notice you didn't know, Your rage was so great. Like, why is this on my page? Yeah. No, no, I left it up. I, know I mean, I, I, yeah, I'm, yeah. In, I'm in completely in agreement with the heart. Oh that. yeah, without question. But uh, yeah. you know, the the language is just an, an abomination. Yeah, no, no, I think yeah. you two teamed up, but that doesn't get us any closer to the Kundalini woman, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> so, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Every time I see Deepak Chopra, I, I begin to choke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although he says again, this thing, you know, there's a lot of stuff that these people say that, like I say, I'm really in agreement on some level. Yeah, I just yeah. when it when you have that kind of Star Wars scrolling text effects where it's just you know like the start of Star Wars where they have in the universe long long ago and it's all kind of scrolling <laughs> into the screen. When you have that with typos, like really glaring oh, yeah, typos. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah, 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 and and blatant misuse of words and mispronunciation of words and everything. Yeah, yeah it was it was pathetic. It really was. But again, the heart of it was good, and there were a couple people in there that that actually made some sense. They made sense for a short period of time, and then they cut the oh, audio oh, yeah, like but, halfway but it, through. Yeah, I yeah I know the whole thing was uh, sad. Yeah, I don't know why I left it up. I guess um, to frustrate me, Heron, it worked. Thank maybe, you. Maybe, maybe you know that's a good question. I may be censoring myself in a sense because it's a new guy who's an enthusiastic and he wants to contribute. So I talked. Look, talking to Gabriel, I've listened to Gabriel's podcast. I think he needs to edit his podcast. He made a joke in the most recent one that he just he when he doesn't say anything, he just leaves dead air. And Gabriel, it would take you. Half an hour to make that. In fact, all the stuff that you need is now automated in Audacity to remove that white space. Grab the audio, fix it up, repost it. Don't yeah. post two minutes worth of silence before you start talking about something. I mean, it's just, it's yeah. torturous. <laughs> Unnecessarily yeah. so. And you, yeah. you won't, I mean, you probably don't have the listeners that you need to have because you've done these kinds of things. Yeah, yeah, and it's not yeah. So it starts off it's with two bad. minutes of silence. Uh, I am not going to make it past about. Or would say seconds. we're about to start, and then there's two minutes of silence, and then you say a little bit more, and then there's more silence. Yeah, I mean, no, this is no, just no, ridiculous. No, yeah, yeah, no, it's no. just not. It's not anyway. But talking to Gabriel, I realized that actually, if I was recording a podcast with him and editing it and putting it out, we could actually get yeah. some interesting stuff out there. And he certainly his perspectives. I thoroughly enjoyed talking to him about, and yeah, I think, yeah. you know, we could certainly put, and we are going to put together a podcast that, uh, you know, will touch on a number of different issues that I haven't had the opportunity of talking on previously. It yeah. did struck me that when I hear myself talk about black nationalism, it might just be me hearing my accent. Maybe I should play into that, actually. I think I'll play into that now, of course. <laughs> it, when I did the remind Bobby Rush about the murder of Fred Hampton site, Few of those people knew that I was white. In fact, it was interesting because Rush's kids started coming on and harassing me, and they would use all these curious, like, crabs in a bucket, for example, which white people just don't say to each other, and all these other things, which were supposed to obviously have emotive concerns to me. Uh, and it was just really very curious. Huh. Anyway. <laughs> Aaron, I have to go and uh, repair track and fix bogeys and do things like that and oh, keep the train fraternity happy. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's going to be another classic. Listeners, let us know. <laughs> okay, Tom. Good night. Good night. <laughs>